Hey, all of you beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast, a show about releasing the stigma surrounding mental health and finally finding your own happiness. I'm your host, Carolyn Farrick, and I'm sharing my most vulnerable stories around my own mental health journey in an open and authentic way to help you feel less alone in your struggles. We all deserve to be happy and we don't need to find happiness alone. So welcome to the search committee. What's up, besties? Welcome back to another week of the podcast. I'm so excited for this week's guest because this week I have my actual real-life bestie, Courtney Sellers, on to talk with us today a little bit about her experiences and her own struggles with mental health. So, Courtney, thank you so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Anytime. I'm so glad you agreed to do this because, you know, like you obviously didn't have to. I'm not like forcing you to do this, but I definitely think you have, you know, a lot of experiences and a lot of good insight. And I think a lot of people could relate, um, especially, you know, you don't seek any form of formal therapy. So I think that'll be interesting to talk about because, you know, there's a lot of factors that plays into that. So I think that's something that my listeners would actually really benefit from hearing about. So thank you for being here. I mean, I probably should have formal therapy, (laughs) but it's fine. We're on our healing journey kind of like by ourselves right now, but it's, you know, health and wellness all on our own. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I've, I've like been thinking about therapy for like a while, but I don't know, just like something Um, yeah, so (laughs) I hate talking about myself, which is like one (laughs) of my like pain points. So, um, but I am Courtney Sellers. I currently work for American Eagle. So, um, that's my day gig right now. Um, I work for them just as a field leader. So I'm in all of the different stores and just kind of support their influencer programs um, for American Eagle and Aerie. So it's really cool. I love it. Um, Other than that, I'm like, I have two dogs that I'm like obsessed with, dog mom, Um, Clive and Olive. I feel like I have struggled with anxiety more recently than in the past, definitely, but I feel like it's just been something that has been prevalent in my life for probably at least 10 years. I feel like I've had like an interesting childhood and just some interesting experiences that have kind of like really like led into me just being like scared of everything, I guess. I was going to say, yeah, I definitely relate to you on the childhood experiences kind of leading into the mental illnesses and the mental health issues that you struggle with now. And I think it's just so weird to think that everybody and most people, not everybody, but most people that struggle with mental health issues, a lot of it stems from, you know, what happened to us before we were like 15 years old. And so it's just crazy to think that, you know, we're so young at those times. And, you know, sometimes we don't remember the full picture, but just those situations, how much of an impact that they have on us at such a young age. And it's things that people carry through well into their adult life, you know? So definitely relate to the childhood experiences. Uh, Like we grew up with not a lot of like financial means, like we struggled to like get food sometimes and just we had some nasty neighbors. I had a stalker at one point. So just 
you know, some interesting, interesting scenarios that really like led to anxiety and, you know, some depression. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, me and Courtney actually became friends. My, what was it? My sophomore year of college after the first semester, you were doing a little bit of time at a community college before you transferred to, um, slip where we went to school. And even then at that point, you know, once we became friends, your stalker was, you know, still reaching out to you and still harassing you. And I remember that even though he started stalking you well before we became, became friends, he was still continuing to do it after the fact that we became friends. So if you're comfortable talking about that, do you want to talk a little bit about that and what that was like, just emotionally, mentally, and just kind of how that played into anxiety? Yeah. And it's actually really funny because this person actually, so what this person like would do really would be like creating like all these like different accounts to like contact me. This person literally moved to Slippery Rock when I went to that school just to be like near me. Um, And it's actually funny because he just recently made a new Snapchat and added me on there. So that was like in the past like month. Um, So that also gives me some uncomfortable like feelings, but um, it was like an ex-boyfriend who he was like, he was actually like one of my like very like first boyfriends. Um, it was actually when I was a freshman in high school and he was actually like a lot older. So looking back at this, it's kind of interesting. Like the things you like realize like grooming and like just people with like ill intent like you really realize that when you like get older so it's like interesting because um at the time I think I was like how old are you in freshman like 13 14 is that like the correct like age of high school yeah like 14 15 ish like in there yeah so I'm like this like 14 15 year old girl like this guy's like 19 So it's like that like really big like age difference. And you kind of have to like think like what is like a 19 year old want with like a 15 year old? Like that's a little like sketch. And I feel like even more as you grow older, like you realize like that's not necessarily right. And like at the time I was like, I mean, like I was like in love with this person. Like this was like someone that I like really cared about like at the time, but it just didn't really like end up working out obviously with like the age difference and like this person was very toxic like I wasn't allowed to have friends I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone like of an opposite like gender like none of that was like allowed he would like text me and like blow up and just like freaking out over like the stupidest things I really like don't remember a lot of it if I'm being honest because like it's just like my trauma response when I like block things out but I'm just trying to think I remember this like one time after we broke up so he would always send me like flower arrangements so like literally every like it was like every week like it was like ridiculous like he was trying to like get me back like he would send me like a new flower arrangement and like apparently that's supposed to like make up for everything like no but um I remember this one time when we weren't together anymore this was actually something that like really freaked me out um I remember he left in my yard at my house. He left a box of eggs on my mom's car. 
for Valentine's Day. And I forget if there was like a weird note in there. She like found it. She threw it away. She called in like a police report. Um, but it was just like super, super strange. Like his attempts to like try to get me like back or try to like reel me back in. Like looking back at it, like I just realized like that's not normal. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of what you just touched on, I everything you were saying really resonated to what Emma mentioned in her episode. So for the listeners out there, if you guys haven't heard, I did an episode with my sister, Emma, about abusive relationships and toxic relationships and just some of the signs of that. And, you know, gift giving and extravagantly, you know, throwing money around to try and make up for their wrongdoings or trying to get your attention or things like that is one of the signs of, you know, being in a toxic relationship. So, and especially the fact that he was older is extremely predatory. And then, like you mentioned, like the grooming and the manipulation and things like that, like my ex, my first boyfriend I was 17 and he was 20, almost 21. And I thought that age gap was a little bit extreme. And he definitely had, you know, the age on me, the maturity, and he knew what to say to pin everything on me, or he knew like how to manipulate me to get exactly what he wanted. And, you know, he could mess up as many times as he wanted and still like, you know, get access to me and win me back over and things like that. So it's just, it's scary to like hear those kinds of things because I bet a lot of girls out there especially can relate to that story and relate to those feelings of just that constant anxiety of having to look over your shoulder and wondering where are they going to show up next? How are they going to try and contact me now? Like where are they going to pop up? Yeah. And like all the while, while we were in high school, like he had like this thing going with like this other girl too. So he's like trying to like win me back, but he's also like together with this other girl. Like I didn't, I wasn't like sexually like active at that time. So I like, wasn't like, that was just like one of my like boundaries at the time. Like I was not ready for that. Like I was very young. Like he would always like pressure that. And like, obviously, like, I think that he was, having sexual like relations with like this other girl and like trying to like win me back and like control me like at the same time so it's just like actions didn't add up with other actions yeah yeah no I definitely understand what you're saying and that's so toxic and like you said you know it's traumatizing because especially when you're that young you don't know what's right and what's not and you don't know like you're not able to recognize like this person is manipulating me or this person isn't treating me the way I deserve to be treated so that definitely is a lot to handle yeah and especially when it's like one of your very first like relationships like I I mean I like had a relationship in like the seventh grade but I mean that's not like those don't count it's not like (laughs) legit yeah you know thank you for sharing all of that that is definitely some good not like good, but you know, like helpful stories that I think people will relate to, especially because a lot of my audience is, you know, girls and especially girls in their twenties. And it's just sad to think that, you know, we're sitting here saying, oh yeah, this is something that a lot of people will relate to. And it's so traumatic and so wrong, but that's just how society is. And, you know, a lot of older men do take advantage of younger women and it's just sad, but it is reality. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. 
I feel like we need a better like system in America for stuff like that. But because I mean, whenever we like reported this man, there's like multiple police reports and I still have them on my phone because I'm like, just a little reminder. But yeah, nothing was really ever like done about it. Like I'm sure they like contacted him and like asked him like what was going on. But that's like really like the extent. And that has to be disheartening for you because you're taking the steps that people would tell you to take in these situations and you're trying to protect yourself and you're trying to, you know, ensure that nothing extreme or bad happens. And when, you know, the system or police say, oh, well, we're not following up with this. We're not doing anything about it. And then you still have to live in that constant fear and paranoia and have that anxiety hanging over your head every single day. Even now, like you said, he just created a new Snapchat. So he now has a new way to contact you and get access to you again. It's just insane. Yep. And it's the same username. So I'm like, can you at least like, can you be smart about it? Like if you're going to like, I don't know, don't use the same. I know it's you. Like, yeah, like get original bitch. (laughs) I'm 25. Like I'm not dumb anymore. I'm not like a baby. Like I know it's going on. Like whatever. Yeah. Didn't reply. No, I added him back actually because I just want to see like I feel like I'm not like that stage anymore where I'm just like vulnerable to it. I'm just like if you're gonna contact me, like contact me, but I'm probably gonna block you. Like I just I don't know. I like want to know sometimes. Yeah, I feel like I'm really bad with that. Like I just want to know like what's going on like at all times. Like if anyone messages me, like I don't know. I'm like weird in that sense. I don't like blocking people. No, I totally get that. I'm the same way. I am so like anti-blocking. Like people are always like, just block them, just block people and get it over with. And I don't know, like you never know when life is going to shift. And like with your stalker, it's different because like you just want to be aware for like anxiety purposes, because uh, if I had a stalker, I wouldn't block them just so I could keep tabs on them, you know, because even like if they were to message me, I couldn't just block them and ignore the message. My anxiety would eat me alive until I knew like what they were trying to say or, you know, what they wanted. Because with anxiety, especially for me, like I need as much information as possible and I need to know everything so then I can plan for every possible scenario. So then I'm not left like exposed and vulnerable when the unexpected happened. And so that's something I always struggled with. I don't know if that's something you can relate to, but I feel you on not wanting to block them, just wanting to see like, why, what are you trying to say? Why are you still trying to contact me? Yeah. And I feel like I relate even just as like simple as like work boundaries. Like I'm really, really bad at setting them. Like today we had like a conversation just about like saying no and like just when your plate is full like it's full like there's not really like if you take on like another thing when your plate is full like you're not going to perform as well as you can it's not going to be like your best quality work so I don't know just setting boundaries is like super important that's definitely something I have struggled with transitioning to like a higher level like corporate position yeah for sure I definitely feel you on that. (laughs) It's hard to set boundaries, keep boundaries. Um, I know I'm personally like a people pleaser. So I'm always the type of person where I'm like, yeah, if you need something, I'll do it, but then I'm going to suffer and my mental health. is going to take the hit just because I am too afraid, afraid to say no. And I'm too afraid to set boundaries. So definitely relate to that. This is why we're friends. We're the same. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I know you're a people pleaser, bitch. I know you are. (laughs) It's so bad. Like 
it's fine. Like, I don't know. You could literally like be like, Courtney, will you jump off a cliff with me or like for me? And I would be like, oh my God, yes, I will. Like, let's go. Yes, honestly. So yeah, like I said, Courtney and I met and became friends my sophomore year of college. Um, And before I met Courtney in college, honestly, I just didn't feel like I fit in with anybody. Like I obviously had, you know, a giant group of friends my freshman year, but those were more like people I would go to parties with or people I'd go drink with, or, you know, they weren't people that, you know, we talked about serious things or actually what was really going on in our lives. And so my sophomore year, I went through a lot of shit mentally and I had probably one of the hardest years of college mentally like that I experienced because that was after, you know, two failed suicide attempts. And that was after I was told, you know, you don't have a suicide issue. You just have a drinking problem. And I couldn't really open up to the people that I had surrounded myself with because they were people I drank with and they were people I partied with. So I wasn't about to be like, oh, I think I need to take a step back from drinking because I'm worried about my health. I just threw myself into drinking further. And so meeting you, it was finally like that, you know, like that feeling when you're like drowning and everything's so chaotic, but then you get that like break and you're finally able to like breathe again, just because, you know, you were somebody who I didn't have to explain things to. I didn't have to hide things. You and I kind of were always on the same page. We, you know, experienced a lot of the same emotions and the same up and downs and like, you know, we're like people who need our alone time and we need our space. And even though like, you know, we would want those times to ourselves. I feel like we were together probably every waking moment of college, just because, you know, I don't know, I felt so seen and comfortable around you. And so to have that friendship and have that person that I could like rely on in college, you know, just made me feel safe and secure almost in such a crazy ass time. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. And I, even to like this day, I still feel like, I don't know, I don't really have like a group of friends that I like fit into. I feel like just now I just have like a bunch of like different like connections, which is nice. But at the same time, like it does get a little bit like lonely, I guess. So no, you were definitely like that person for like me too. And like, I don't know, like it was nice to have someone that like wasn't because like, you know, friendships are like work. And like, they have to be like two-sided, like definitely always, but I'm just a person that like, I don't necessarily, I fall off the face of the earth for like multiple like weeks in a row. And like my friends have to be like, okay with that, I guess, in like a sense, like, I don't know, like I just, I go through phases, I get, I mean, I feel like we never like really went through that though. Yeah, no, because I feel like with us, we both understand like and respect that each other have a lot going on. And, you know, we've been through some very dark times together, you know, like when everything happened with my dad, you know, you were there for me. And when everything happened with my grandpa, you were there for me. And we've gone through a lot of really hard shit in our lives. And I think we both understand that we don't need to be up each other's assholes every three seconds. Like we can go like weeks at a time without talking, or we could go like, you know, a couple of days without seeing each other or whatever, like, especially in college, but everything was fine. You know, we were still always going to be that same type of friend for each other. And honestly, like, 
now, even like, I still just view you as like, in addition to my family, like, I don't even view you as like, you know, just another friend. You're somebody that like, no matter how much time goes between us talking or whatever, like it'll always pick up, like nothing ever changed. And so it's just nice to find that person that, you know, you can rely on even when you don't like reach out to them every fucking second, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't know, it's just nice to have someone like when I can't even rely on myself to like get out of bed and like shower sometimes, like it really, it depends on like where I'm at, I guess what's going on. Like sometimes I don't feel like social, like since my mom like passed away, like I don't, I, I've been like super like antisocial. Like I haven't talked to really anyone like at a friend level. Like I feel like I just talk to people at like a work level and then I just shut off, which is like bad, but I don't know. I just feel like that's how I get during those like periods, which I mean, definitely not the healthiest. I don't recommend following anything that I'm saying on here as like a best practice for mental health because like definitely not I'm definitely like on my like healing journey but yeah I feel like it's really important to like have those type of friends that like you can be vulnerable with and you can like just connect with even if it's been three months or you haven't talked in a couple of like weeks like I feel like that's really important Yeah. And also something like is never, I don't ever take it personally. You know, if like you don't reach out for a while, I never think, oh, Courtney's being a bitch or Courtney doesn't want to talk to me or we're fighting. I just think, you know, she's doing her thing. And when she's ready, like I'm here, you know? And I think that's also important for people to hear is because I feel like, especially in today's society, like, and with social media, like the glamorization of friendships and, you know, people make it seem like you have to be around like your friends 24 seven, or there's some drama or some beef, but like people have other stuff going on. And especially if you're struggling with mental health, you're not always going to want to text somebody, you know, cause texting is exhausting when you're anxious or you're depressed or you're just drained emotionally. You don't like, it's so hard to even just pick up the phone and say, hi, how's it going? You know? So like, I never take it personally because I understand and I know that you need to do what you have to do in order to take care of yourself. So just for people out there, like, don't take it personally and just continue to just, you know, show up for that person and be there. I laugh because it's funny because I have like 400 like unread text messages right now. It's really bad. The whole like, time in this podcast, it's just like me, like telling everyone like my toxic like habits. It's fine. But um, yeah, texting is like a lot sometimes just overwhelming. Like even just having those like 400 like notifications on my phone, like sometimes I'm just like, that's too much for me. Like It gives you anxiety. It does. And like some of the texts are from like not even like recent, like they're just old that I like never opened, but it still like makes you like feel like overwhelmed. Yeah. Because then you like, at least with me, my anxiety, it's always like, well, this person texted you four days ago. So you need to get back to them. Like, that's just rude. Like you're such an inconvenience, like just text them back. It takes three seconds, but then it's just like this weighing pressure on you. And I couldn't imagine having 400. I would literally throw my phone away and not even look at it ever again, because I would just like be physically ill if I had that and had to look at that every day. I actually went through like 
a couple weeks ago and just like cleared everything out and then I ended up clearing out like stuff I needed for work so I was like it's fine it's fine just throw the whole job away it's fine (laughs) just throw the whole phone away like why are these even like a thing (laughs) oh my gosh like sometimes my phone it's nice it's useful definitely but I feel like sometimes it's just doing more harm than good for me Yeah, no, for sure. And kind of on that topic, um, like you mentioned, you work for American Eagle and you oversee influencers. So a lot of your job has to do with like social media and Instagram and posting content and making sure other people are posting content. So can you talk about how having such a social media based job affects, you know, you when you're maybe feeling anxious or you're feeling depressed or you just don't have any mental energy how do you kind of work through that and continue to show up and do your job basically yeah I mean I feel like it really is about like boundary setting but like I expressed earlier I'm not the best at that currently um but I don't know sometimes it just gets very very overwhelming I feel like there's sometimes I like dissociate so much when I'm like just like scrolling on my phone that like I don't even realize like I'm still on my phone after I've been on my phone for like a 10 hour work day and then I'm like still on my phone and I feel like I don't know like I'm just really bad at like staying in like the present moment I guess but I don't know I feel like social media like it is really great for like marketing and just business purposes I feel like it's a great tool but at the end of the day you do have to realize like not everything on there is going to be true not everyone's stories on there are going to be reality um and I think that's like a hard pill for some people to swallow but it's really the truth and I mean I feel like if you don't limit your social time you're just really living in like that fake reality yeah for sure and like you have to really just take a step back because it's so easy it's sucked in and just like you said live in this false reality and when it's you and your phone screen and you see this overload of content you know you can create this completely different narrative in your head of what's actually going on and I always mention on this podcast you know Instagram is just people's highlights you know it's the best moments you don't see a lot of the behind the scenes so to compare that like someone's Instagram profile to your everyday life can be very toxic and depleting for your mental health and I feel like that's something that a lot of people struggle with is like comparison like I feel like so many like influencers they're like okay well my photo doesn't look like this other influencer so maybe I'm not doing like what I'm supposed to be doing, or maybe I am just not living up to like the expectation. And that's not the truth. I mean, everyone has their own kind of style of taking photos. Even I do it. Like I've been on Pinterest lately, like just really inspired by some of the photos on there. But then I find myself trying to recreate these photos and like, just really comparing myself to the, these like women in these photos. And it's just like, that's not your reality. Like that's not you obviously, but the content, like I do create, like, even though it doesn't look exactly like those photos, like that doesn't mean it's bad content. Exactly. Yeah. And then something that you mentioned to me the other day is that 
when I asked you to post about the sweatshirts being released that I created, um, you messaged me and you were like, I took photos a couple weeks ago, but this weekend I had to go back out and retake all of the photos because I looked at the first batch of photos until I made myself hate them. And when you send me that, I laughed because I'm like, I know exactly what you're saying. I do that all the time. I'll take a photo, look at it. And I'll be like, I love how I look in this photo. This photo makes me feel good. This looking at this makes me feel happy. And then you look at it long enough through the lens of, you know, social media or like what everyone else is going to say versus based on like the standards of Instagram. And then you're like, this isn't good enough. I'm not good enough. I don't look good. I hate this part of my body. And so then, like you said, you go out and you feel the need to edit these to look more on brand to what other people's Instagram looks like yeah and I feel like this is like getting really vulnerable but something that I have really struggled with like honestly my like entire life and I feel like this is I don't know if this is going to be like relatable for some people but I mean I'm on the smaller side I've kind of dealt with like body dysmorphia like my entire like life um people have always just been like, oh my God, you're so small. You're so tiny. You're so skinny. Like, I don't think people are trying to have like ill intent when they say things like that, but I do think that it affects the people you're saying it to, even if you're trying to compliment them. Um, I don't know. I just personally try not to comment on people's like bodies, body size, body type, anything like surrounding like physical appearance. Like I feel like there are so many, but so many better compliments that you can like give someone when people are like saying that to you, like you're so small, like you're so tiny. Like I feel like that then makes me realize that I am small like in a way like I don't know how to like describe it like I just feel like when people say that to me like I make myself small because they already porch like see me as being like small yeah and I get what you're saying because you're like trying because when people constantly tell you your whole life oh you're so tiny you're so small you're so little like I remember in college like I would post photos with you and people used to dm me on instagram and be like why does your friend look like the girl, like your little sister that your mom forced you to take out to a party with you? And like, you know, you don't think of how these things that people are being said, like affect you. But like you said, it puts you into this box of like, okay, well, people see me as small and people see me as looking younger. So then you kind of like push yourself into this box and this narrative to kind of like you said, like, not be too much for people or you know when you're something that people aren't already stereotyping at you as then it's like kind of you know weird because then you're like am I too much what are they thinking of me you know all those kinds of things so I definitely feel that and I love that you said you know don't comment on people's body sizes there's so many other things that you can focus on and you know at the beginning of our friendship especially in college like I used to say things like that to you all the time because when I was growing up, I always thought that I was overweight just because, you know, all of my sisters were skinnier than me. And we grew up in a time when, you know, it was like 2000s diet cultures, you know, in that time period, our parents, they just like went about it in the wrong way. 
And so when we were in college and you talk about how small you were, and then to me where I'm like five, seven, always felt like I was a little overweight. I always thought, oh, I'm complimenting her, just reassuring her that, you know, she's so skinny. She looks so good, but I never even thought of it in the way that this is so damaging to say to somebody. And so you were actually like the person that made me realize, Hey, these things aren't okay to say, like, these aren't normal things that you should tell people. Like, that's not the only thing that makes a person like, you know, like that's not something that should define anybody. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't like, if someone like says that to me, I'm not like, I hate you, but like, I don't know. It's just like, I go back and then I'm like taking like photos of myself, like to see like, okay, am I actually like that tiny? Like, why are people saying this to me all the time? Like, I don't like understand, I guess, why people are like saying that to me when I feel like I just, I feel like I look normal. Like I'm just a little bit shorter. And I think it's also like, with like influencer culture, I feel like the skinnier you are, the more people like idolize that. So I don't know, just for my just take on it is I think a lot of people do view it as a compliment to tell people how like skinny they are, how small they are. But then, like you said, you know, there's so much negative, negative effects that come with that. So it's good that you highlighted that. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't have a diagnosed like ED or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I like never have, but I mean, I definitely, I eat, like (laughs) I eat, I don't gain weight. Um, It's like, I mean, I guess it's like a blessing and like a curse. Some people would like wish for that, but I don't know when you have people constantly telling you like, you're so tiny, you're so little, like, I don't know, you just kind of start to question like, okay, like, am I going to disappear if I like, I mean, not, not eat, but like if, like if I miss like a meal for some reason, which I often do just like being busy and like just life, like, am I going to disappear? Like if I turn sideways, am I going to like disappear? Like, I don't know. It's just, it just makes you really like question your body and like your body image. Like it just, I don't know. It just doesn't feel great. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm really glad that you talked about that and shared that because that is something very important for a lot of people that they need to hear. Um, But I do want to say for the record, Courtney fucking eats. Courtney fucking eats more than me on God (laughs) in college. Courtney and I, that was all we did. Like I'd pick this bitch up and we'd go to McDonald's, Taco Bell, and Wendy's all in one night (laughs) get food from all of them then we would go back to our apartment and we would both have like giant bags of snacks (laughs) you had this snack bin under your bed you remember my snack bin we have a pantry now so upgraded but then you would also eat like or four (laughs) bowls of cereal oh my gosh it's fine I feel like Comment below if you have more than one bowl of cereal and you eat cereal. I don't know. This is a very controversial debate within our friendship because Courtney (laughs) loves cereal and she's like, you cannot have just one bowl. You need to have multiple bowls of cereal. And I, being someone who doesn't necessarily enjoy cereal that much, like I won't go out of my way to be like, mm, cereal, you know? And so I'll eat a bowl occasionally if I'm like kind of in the mood for it. So that was always a big debate in our friendship. Um, but you only eat one. You have to eat, you, like, what if you have leftover milk? You drink it. 
Maybe that's like a trauma response from me not eating like for multiple years of my childhood. <laughs> You're like, I can have all the cereal I want now. It's fine. Oh my gosh. I feel like that about a lot of things though. Like even like, I don't know, like we were just didn't have a lot of money when I like was growing up. Like we went to like food banks for like food a lot of the time, which I don't know, like nothing to be like proud of, but really nice because it helped us out at the time. But but like, I don't know, even now, like, I feel like I definitely like overbuy food when I grocery shop. Like, I never had like nice clothes or anything like growing up, like we shopped at Walmart. And like, you got what you got. Like, if you didn't like it, it wasn't your style. Like, sorry, that's all we can like afford pretty much. Um, So now I feel like, I mean, it's nice because like with work, like I get a discount on like clothes, but just even like a few years ago, like, I feel like when I first got a job and like first started like making my own money, like all I did was buy stuff for myself. Yeah, no, you definitely have a very like extensive closet. And I, I definitely feel what you're saying, like having that lack in your childhood when you were growing up and then finally being able to afford it and wanting it. Like there's nothing wrong with treating yourself or, you know, providing for yourself in that way. And like, I grew up living in my cousin's hand-me-downs. Like I didn't even get new stuff. You know, it was mostly just whatever my older cousins would give away. That's what I would wear. So for like most of my childhood, well into high school, I didn't even have my own sense of style. So even today, I'm just like, I don't know how to dress myself. I don't know what to do. And so like, I also like whenever I'm going places, I try to look as put together as possible because when I was younger, like I felt like I just looked like, a certain way because of wearing hand-me-downs and other people's clothes and never having that own like sense of identity so now I just like really try and like overcompensate for that so I completely feel you on that I went through a phase in the sixth grade um I would just borrow everyone's clothes um it was really bad just because I wanted to fit in or like be like cute and wear what everyone else was wearing so I don't know it's definitely like a trauma response I feel like that i buy whatever I want now but I'm I'm getting better I'm like limiting myself and budgeting but well like you said you can afford it you work for your money like you're at a point now where you're good so like you said treat yourself so how do you search for serotonin in your everyday life and what brings you happiness my dogs (laughs) that's a valid answer (laughs) my dogs yeah I feel like um just Clive and Olive like they just bring me joy and like I don't know, just great comfort. They're really sweet little babies. I'm like obsessed. They're it's so like, funny. My like obsession with them is like ridiculous, which it's actually really funny because remember how many times I said I would never own like, and like, why do people have puppies in college? Why do people have puppies when they're like 20? Okay, well, I have two now, so it's not. Dog mom of the year over here. They're, they help. They help with anxiety. Like, I don't know. Anytime I'm like sad, Clive will just like crawl into my lap and like curl up. And then um, also, before you hop off, where can people find you? Plug your Instagram, plug the dog's Instagram, plug American Eagle if you want. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. It's Courtney Zellers with a zero as the O. And Zellers is Z-E-L-L-E-R-S. 
word. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Courtney. I really appreciate you taking the time to record with me. And I actually am very happy with this episode and I cannot wait for people to hear about your story. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Anytime, bestie. All right, guys, that is all for this week. Thank you for joining us for another week of the Search for Serotonin podcast. If you guys aren't already following the podcast, you can follow it at the Search for Serotonin on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out my mental health-related clothing that I put up for sale last week. So there is a variety of sweatshirts, t-shirts. They're all unisex, and they range from sizes small to 2XL. So those will be linked in the show notes if you want to check those out. All right, you guys, thank you again. And always remember, this world is better with you in it. This week's song is If I Could, I Would Feel Nothing by Black Bear. This song is off of Black Bear's album, Digital Drug Lord, which actually came out when Courtney and I were in college, when we were, you know, mentally unstable, when we were stressed, when we were exhausted, when we were overwhelmed all of the time, and we were just basically trying to stay alive. So I chose the song If I Could, I Would Feel Nothing, um, specifically because it talks about, you know, not wanting to feel anything and not really caring if you feel anything. And I always related to this song because when I would get depressed or I would get anxious that I would lead to become depressed, you know, in college, I felt this way a lot where I'm like, I don't even care if I feel things. It's just all too much. I just need to kind of get through it. So the whole album has so much meaning to mine and Courtney's friendship, but this song was the one that I thought applied most to mental health. So if you want to check out If I Could, I Would Feel Nothing by Black Bear, it will be linked on the Search for Serotonin playlist, which will be found in the show notes. As always, remember this world is better with you in it. Have a great week, you guys. See you next Monday.